Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. So listen, let's get right into the message today. The Good Samaritan and the Good Innkeeper. What is your primary calling? And what I want you to realize is that I'm not putting anybody in a category today, okay? Instead, I believe that the Lord wants each of us to follow the calling upon our lives that he has for us so that we can function in this local body, okay? Look, we don't go to church. We are the church. To be functioning as the church, you have to understand what God has called you to. You need to learn what gifts, talents, skills, and abilities you have. And if you don't know all of that right now, that's okay. Just stay put and learn. Stay rooted. You know, if you planted... um, A coconut tree, not a durian tree, but a coconut tree out in the back here, you know, it might start to put roots down and and start budding up from the ground. But if you uproot it and you want to go plant it somewhere else, it might survive. But if you keep uprooting and replanting, you won't, that coconut tree will not survive. That's why community is very important. That's why fellowship, family. Listen, you know why people leave church? This is my opinion, okay? My opinion, which may or may not mean anything. But I believe a lot of people get up and leave churches because they don't want to deal with any problems. And let me promise you, you are going to deal with problems in the church. Yep, nobody's perfect here. We're all going after Jesus, trying to change and be more like him. So your pastor's not going to understand everything. She's not going to sing your favorite song every Sunday. Okay? Some days might be harder for you to give any offering than others. There's going to be issues. Somebody might sit in your seat one day. Somebody might offend you in some way. But how we grow is by learning how to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. You're not going to be able to do that if you pick up and go somewhere and don't stay there long enough learning how to rub shoulders with people, right? What do I mean by that? By get close enough to where they get to really know you. Do people really know you? See... We talk about knowing Jesus, but here's what I've come to learn. That if I really want to know Jesus, I'm going to learn how to love people around me who are different than me. And they, God will position them in my life to help draw out from me character. And that's uncomfortable. 
because I don't always want to be vulnerable. Right? There's days that I feel more open and free than others, but I remain steadfast. You remain steadfast. We, we are consistent. And by doing so, our roots go deep into the ground. I know I've shared this with you before, but many years ago, I was just in prayer and I just saw this picture in my mind. And I saw these roots going down and they were really big in the soil. And there was just a little thing budding up from the ground. And these roots were hanging and going all over the place and nobody could see how big these roots were. In fact, the roots went so deep that they started to come through the, the, the ceiling, the, the cave, the cavern of hell. And the devil was sitting on his throne. And he was sitting there and he was just doing his devil things. And all of a sudden he saw this little crackling of a root come and hang over his, his ceiling, his cavern. Then he saw several of them come through. And he got really angry because what he recognizes is that a Christian who values living in secret before God and whether people know them or not, become more of a problem to the devil in his kingdom than those who just grow up above the ground quickly. Because if you want to produce fruit, you got to have strong roots. Amen? You know, Jesus called pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets, and apostles to equip the local church into becoming a New Testament family and mission-sending church. Okay? Based on Ephesians 4.11 and after that you can read. But if you read in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, we're going ahead. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus had told them, you must go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. They didn't go. Great revival in Jerusalem. Nobody wanted to leave. But Jesus helped them leave by allowing some persecution. And that persecution came against the church in Jerusalem and they spread to Judea and Samaria. Eventually, after the martyrdom of Stephen and the conversion of Paul, who became the apostle that we would call to the Gentiles, we see the church move from Judea, Samaria to a place called Antioch. Okay, and it says here in Acts 9 verse 31, we'll just read this. It says, then the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord, okay, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Do you know when, when you talk to an evangelist, they oftentimes, everybody should, but they oftentimes have a special revelation about the fear of the Lord. I'm not saying it's more important than anybody else. I'm saying that aggressive understanding helps them to learn how people get converted. Because if you don't understand the fear of the Lord properly, the wisdom cannot begin within you. And then you have comfort of the Holy Spirit. Where does that come from? Your pastors, right? I mean, they are com 
comfort. They care. They want to sit. They want to listen. They want to help you work through issues in your marriage, in your family, and help you understand the scripture. They're married to the church in that sense. And there's comfort. And it says where there is the fear of the Lord and there's comfort, that what happens? The church gets multiplied. Now I'm not just saying, I'm again, not just focusing that it's only those two gifts that should be in a body. I believe all of the gifts should have a certain role in the body. How God does that, that's up to Him. We are not the fivefold ministry. Jesus is. He gives some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But what He gives at the time period where we are at and how we are functioning as a church presently, I believe the gift of pastor and evangelist are very clearly evident because the Lord is wanting to equip this church for works of service to fulfill the Great Commission. So, after um, the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles, right? We see that the church had spread from Jerusalem to Samaria and it was Antioch where, where the church, it was first called the Way, right? Was first called Christians. That's where they were called Christians, was at Antioch. Now let's look in Acts 11, verses 19 through 26. Acts 11, then we're going to go to Luke 10. It says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen, who was martyred, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Interesting. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was on them. We don't even know the names of these people. But they were so impacted by the gospel that they took the gospel somewhere that God wanted them to go and nobody knows their name. Listen, you don't have to have a name for God to use you. It's the no names who normally take the gospel to the places the Lord wants us to go to. Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he had came and seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people believe him were added to the Lord. We could skip down to verse 26 at the end as their meeting for over a year. Uh, it says that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So people often say, what is, you know, in Scripture the uh, model church for us to follow. Is it Jerusalem or somewhere else or Antioch? Well, I believe it's Antioch. Because in Antioch, it's the first place where Jews and Gentiles worship together. There were different cultures. This is what Jesus had in mind when he gave his life so that the church could be birthed. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the gospel was to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But the whole purpose of going to the Jew was so that he could fulfill his promises to his people Israel. And so if God does not fulfill his promises to Israel, then we as Gentiles cannot believe that God will fulfill his promises to us. Let's read in Luke 10. Now this is Jesus walking with his disciples. And people are getting attracted to Jesus. And now he's appointing some of them to go out and spread the word. Now this is before he died. This is before he rose again. So he gave them power and authority to go share the good news. Even though they didn't fully understand what the good news was about. But to go out and demonstrate the kingdom. It's very interesting that people who are not yet born again, God has the authority to give them power even if they don't understand everything. You need to really value that. Because if you say, well, I haven't been to fire school or CBI or some other institution, and I don't know that God can use me, all that is is a bad excuse. Because if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have more than what these guys had. And what I mean by a relationship is not just a physical agreement, but he lives inside of you if you're born again. He didn't live inside of them yet, but they believed his word because he demonstrated the kingdom. So verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face in every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Isn't that encouraging? Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, or sandal, and greet no one along the road. Now, he wasn't saying be unfriendly, but he was saying have a purpose. Focus, exactly. Verse 5, but whatever house you enter, it's interesting, he says... Yes, the people on the street are important, but I want you to find a specific individual. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it'll return to you. This is what Pastor Armand's been teaching about for a long time. Go find the person of peace. Uh, verse 7, and remain in the same house eating and drinking such things as you give. For the laborers worthy of their wages don't go from the house to house. In other words, focus on making disciples. When you evangelize, pour into them, share life together with them. See, we make evangelism to be this thing as if we all have to be the next Reinhard Bonnke and go stand up at the marketplace and start preaching out loud to people. I believe in that. I do that stuff. But not everybody is called to do that. But what everybody is called to do is to share who, what Jesus has done in their life and be focused on who you're sharing it with. If you're not focused in prayer and the word, you will not be focused in evangelism. 
And if you're focused in evangelism and you don't see fruit, maybe you need to ask the question, what type of evangelism am I doing? Where are we at? Verse 8. Yeah, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there. And heal the sick there. They are not born again. And he's telling them to heal the sick. Why? Because he's God and he can do whatever he wants. But you and I have that God now living on the inside of us. But whatever city you enter, they don't receive you. Go out in the streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. So if people reject you, they're not just rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. Amen? Amen? So don't be that upset about it. (laughs) He was rejected and despised by men. Why should we expect anything less? But I say to you that it will be more tolerable on that day for Sodom than for that city. Verse 13. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Look how harsh he's coming and speaking for those who don't receive the gospel. Why? You know what happens when people don't receive the authentic gospel? Is they believe in false gods and false idols and they develop cults and, they de- and it allows the spirit of religion to come into a place and wreak havoc in a nation like the Philippines. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians in this nation. But you know why the Philippines needs revival so much? It's because we have denied the power of God coming from our message. And we are trying to reveal a a gospel message that doesn't line up with the truth of God's word. We cannot give them something that is not true. And we do not, I don't want to stand before God and say, I propagated a message. I shared a message that I thought was good. It was my opinion. And it helped me from being rejected by people because everybody liked me. What's the sense of everybody liking you if they go to hell? Because we don't speak the truth in love. How are you going to speak the truth and love to people? It's not by just good preaching. It's by sharing life with them. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. Wow. Capernaum is basically where Jesus grew up. He's talking about his hometown, right? A prophet is without honor even in his own hometown. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Then the 70 returned with joy, (laughs) saying, Lord, even the demons were subjected to our name, to your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In other words, when Satan said, I'm going uh, to make myself higher than God, he got kicked out like lightning. 
Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and the scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What, what book is he talking about? The book of life. I want my name to be there. I want your name to be there. And if our name is there, don't you want everybody else's name to be there? In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. It's talking about childlike faith. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will reveal him to. So Jesus is saying, once they know me, they're going to understand you. And if you don't understand who God the Father is, keep walking in intimacy with Jesus. And the more that you recognize the price that Jesus paid for, for you and me to have relationship, restored relationship with the Father, you will see yourself as the salt and the light of the earth. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately. I love that word, privately. God wants to speak to us privately. Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings, right? Those in the past, the Old Testament, have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and hear what you hear, but have not heard it. So, what are the basic principles Jesus taught of how everyone in the church are called to live as Christians? Number one, all of us are called to be harvesters. All of us are called to go reap the harvest. Okay? Now sometimes you don't always reap the harvest. But we plant and we water and we reap. Okay? Number two, all of us are called to share a message of repentance. We all share the, the, the same message. Our message is not come join Maranatha Church. Our message is not come enroll in fire school ministry. No, the purpose of these things and other things that you are a part of should come from your own intimacy with God. And so if we don't preach a message of repentance for people to get right with God and we teach people the only way to get right with God is by going to a building, then they will not come to God we're teaching them to go to a temple that was destroyed 2,000 years ago. Are you hearing me? The temple no longer stands. But the church has now centered around a location. Instead of a person. And the reason is, it's because it's easier for us to not have to do evangelism and put all the pressure on our leaders to do it for us so that we could say, I don't have to learn what they learn. I'm just going to teach you what, uh, I'm just going to help you go to somebody that I know can help you. Look, how many of you would like to have your own car? 
I, I just see a few hands. Maybe some of you are deathly afraid of driving. I don't know. <laughs> I would love to see all of you have your own car. Okay? But here's the deal. I can't drive that car for you. What's the point of you having a car if you don't know how to use it? What's the point of us having a building and having property? You know what I believe? I believe we're going to get what we need when we realize we don't need it. If you rely upon an individual, their personality, their gifting to grow a church, then that means you don't feel responsibility. And time and time again, the Lord will take away leaders. I've seen this, especially if those leaders are walking in hypocrisy. Because when people exalt you and say, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> you know how easy it is for an, uh, um, the head of a human being to get big when everybody around them tells them they're so wonderful and that you're just below Jesus. I'm going to tell you, friend, when I come here, I crawl in this place because I don't deserve to stand up in front of you and share the message that was entrusted to me in my life. I was a hypocrite of hypocrites. And I want to tell you, I, I humbly accept whatever responsibility the Lord gives us, but it is all about Jesus. Is it all about Jesus to you? I'm not just talking about for you to nod your head. I'm saying, is your life so centered around Jesus that you feel responsible? Number three, all of us are called to demonstrate the power of God. Um, we just read verses 1 through 24. And this is where I'm getting this from. They cast out demons and healed the sick. They weren't graduates of fire school of ministry. Number four, all of us are called to live with childlike faith before the world. And number five, all of us are called to appreciate those whose faith prepared us for where we are today. Okay? Now, I want to read the rest of these scriptures and we'll be done. Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. The parable of the Good Samaritan. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying teacher what should I do to inherit eternal life right he's a lawyer he's probably a Pharisee and he's saying what must I do you know you're telling us all these things so what must we do I'm a lawyer I'm educated I know a lot what do you know and he said to him what is written in the law? What is your reading? Or how do you understand it when you read the scripture? <laughs> so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Okay. 
You can answer rightly, but are you doing it? Wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well then, who's my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. He was attacked by thieves. And they stripped him of his clothing. They wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. They beat him. Now by chance, a certain priest... Or let's say a pastor. Or let's say a cell group leader. Let's say a missionary. <gasps> Came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, who was also a priest, he looked and he passed by on the other side. Right? Whoa. Whoa. Look at that poor guy. Well, I'll just pray for him as I go. But a certain Samaritan. They didn't get along with Jewish people. It's interesting that Jesus is using a Samaritan. As he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own animal. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the who? Innkeeper. And said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was his neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer responded, the one who had mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Key characters of the Good Samaritan story. Number one, the injured man. Those are the lost and prodigal sons and daughters whom the Great Commission is for. Number two, the religious leaders are Christians who have a form of godliness but do not fulfill the Great Commission. It is sin to not spend time with God. It is sin to not have an ongoing prayer life. It is sin to not value God's word. It is sin to not share the gospel. It's gotten real quiet. Why am I saying it like that? Because if I value what Jesus did for me on the cross, and I don't just celebrate it every April, but I realize if it wasn't for him that I would not walk in freedom, then that draws me to want to spend time with God. That draws me to say, I want to share the gospel. I want to fulfill the Great Commission. Are we perfect at it all the time? No, that's not the goal. The goal is to be like Jesus. The goal is not just to be busy so we can feel good about ourselves. The goal is to do everything we do as unto the Lord because of what he has done for us. Last thing, we're going to close with this. 
Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. It's interesting that this chapter closes with this story. Now it happened when they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And Mary has chosen the good part, and that will not be taken away for her, from her. When I read that, this is the reminder the Lord gave me. No matter how busy we are in life, in church, in ministry, our primary calling should always come from who we are as sons and daughters. Our identity does not come from what we do for him. This is how we become good Samaritans or good innkeepers. Are you a good Samaritan? Are you an injured person? Injured meaning struggle with sin, feel rejected, you don't walk in freedom. Are you a religious person? Are you somebody that says, I'm a Christian, but you don't share your faith and you walk by people all the time? Look, I'm not saying we got to stop every time we see somebody, okay? Uh, it's not about just rules and law, okay? Sometimes I get it. You, you have a short time, you need to get to work, <laughs> okay? or whatever you have to do. But the point of what I'm saying is, is that the more sensitive we become to people, the more we're going to be willing to stop. Or are you an innkeeper? And I'm not saying that, again, that I'm categorizing everybody in this room. I think not everybody will be an evangelist. Not everybody will do, be a pastor or whatever. But we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to do the work of making disciples. And so the title of this message is The Good Samaritan and the Good Innkeeper. Because most of us will have a sense of either wanting to be an innkeeper or a good Samaritan. I, again, we all are doing evangelism. But some of us want to do evangelism by taking care of helping people. Others want to go out into the streets, want to go to places that other people don't go to because they don't see everybody else willing to go. And I think for a long time as a church, we've told everybody, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And people are like, I want to go, <laughs> but I don't know how to go. I don't know what to do. What we're doing with the revival cry evangelism is we want to raise up a lot of good Samaritans. And it's about training people to do what we've learned how to do. But I want to encourage you, which one are you today? Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.